Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When everything came, when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt me? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. It's good to be with you, and it's good to be able to um, share a few thoughts with you. from the life of Peter. As I've, been, as I've been studying it for myself, I find it really helpful and it's really blessed me. So I trust that our time in it this morning would be a blessing to you too. Um, if you've got your Bibles with you, do keep them open on Matthew chapter 14 because we're going to be going through that passage and we'll be looking at those few verses and referring to them several times. So have it open on your lap and you'll find that helpful. Just to get you thinking as we start, I wonder... As I look out and see all you people here, and as we are here this morning, I wonder what storms we're going through. With all of us here, there must be some people that are going through some storms. Um, some of them might be private. Some of them others don't know about. Some of them might be financial. Some of them might be uh, concerns about health, a diagnosis that you're worried about circumstances that you're in, things that are happening at work, things in your family back at home and relationships and all these types of things. And I'm sure there are some people here this morning in real storms. And it might be that you're not in one now, but you might be soon. You might be next week. You might be later on this year. And so what I'd like to think about this morning with you is, is what is your attitude to a storm when you're in a storm? How do you think? How do you face it? How do you approach it? Because sometimes we may feel, when we're in a storm, we might think, why? What is the point of this? Why am I having to go through this? It's not fair. (laughs) Because I look at that person's life, and they seem to have it easy. I seem to be wading through treacle all the time, and they just seem to be gliding down a sunbed. And then you may start to question, well, does God... Love me as much as he loves them. Has God in some way got it in for me? Is he some way angry with me? Is he some way punishing me because I'm in this storm? If God really does love me, why does he allow me to go through all of this? Well, in our passage that we're looking at this morning, we see that Peter and the other disciples, they go right into a storm. And we see something wonderful that happens in this storm. But here they are, they're fearing and they're doubting and they're afraid, they're terrified. 
and they're in the middle of this storm. And yet, as we'll see, by the end of it, amazingly, they are worshipping God as a result of this storm. Just as we start, let me just clarify this. There's two types of storms that we can go through. One type of storm may be a storm of correction. So think of Jonah. Do you remember? He wasn't doing what he should be doing. And he was running away. And God was using a storm to get him to stop and to own up to what he's doing and to turn back. And God does send storms like that. He does sometimes to cause us to see our error and our sin. But here in this passage, that's not the type of storm we're reading about. It's a storm of perfection where God is working, using this storm in someone's life, not because they're being disobedient, but because he wants to build them up and to teach them something and to increase their faith and to help them grow and to learn. And so this morning, I would love if you could, when we finish just after our short time now, if you could understand about a storm, a storm is not something I need to fear. But even in a storm, God can bring great blessing. And so that's what I hope you would grasp um, from our time this morning. Let me just read to you those few verses, the, the first few from verse 22. It says there, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain to pray by himself, or by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. I've got three really simple points this morning. And my first one about this storm is, when you're in a storm, remember, he brought me here. When you're in a storm, remember, he brought me here. What does it say? In verse 22, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. He told them to get in that boat, and then he sent them off across that lake. And as we know, God is the one who's in control of all creation. He's in control of all the weather, all of nature, and he was in control of that storm. And he knew that storm was coming, and he made his disciples get into that boat. He was in control. He planned it. But what's more, not only did he plan it, he wanted them in that storm. You may not have realized this, but being in that storm for those disciples, for Peter and the others, was the best place they could have been. There they are. They're in the middle of the sea, we read in verse 24. And they're being tossed by the waves and the wind was contrary and you can imagine there they are they're rowing and they've been rowing for hours and hours and hours but that was the place that God wanted them to be and it was the best place for them to be and actually that storm that very storm could have been a place of protection for them you may say how so they're in the middle of a storm how can that be a place of protection just rewind, and if you went back and just looked back at the, um, the previous section in chapter 14, you would see that Jesus has just been up the mountain, and he's fed 5,000 men. They're probably well over that. We read that it's just men. That wasn't including women and children. could have been 10,000, 20,000, quite possibly. And he's fed all these people. 
And we read in in John chapter 6 that after this occasion, all the people are saying, wow, look at this person. And they're thinking to come and make Jesus king by force. And Jesus is aware of this. And he sees that there's all these crowds and you can see the excitement building, the anticipation. Wow, look at this man. Here is this man, Jesus. He could be our king. What would it be like for, well, just take Peter. How could he have responded in that situation? Well, wouldn't that be great? Jesus would be king. And, and well, we're his right-hand men. In what position would that be for us? We know they sometimes had those thoughts, didn't they? And so Jesus sends his disciples into a boat and he gets them out of that situation. And then he sends the other, uh, the crowds away. See, those crowds, they were just following Jesus because they were thrill seekers looking for a political and economic and social answer to their problems. They thought, here is somebody that can, can overthrow the dynasty of the Herodians and, and he can be our leader and, and he can give us food. He can provide all that we need and food is a big thing for us. So Jesus sees this and he sends his disciples away. He made them go away. And so in that storm, although they may not have seen it, it was a place of protection for them. In that storm, they were also going to learn a lesson because later on when they got to the other side and they were speaking to Jesus and um, the crowds had then found him and come back to him and there they are, they're speaking to him again. They're saying, oh, well, prove, us who, prove who you are. And Jesus spoke to them and they got offended by what he said. And then all these huge crowds start to go and they, they start to leave him. And Jesus says to his disciples, look, are you going to go as well? But because they'd been in this storm and they'd experienced certain things and they'd learned truly who Jesus was, Peter stands up and in John chapter 6, he says, um, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That had been cemented in the storm. Had not been for that storm, Peter may have been taken away with the others, wanting Jesus to be king. They've just had this amazing experience, seeing Jesus feed 5, 10, 20,000 people. And straight after that, they go into a storm. Maybe in your life you've experienced that too. And you've had a great time. You've had a great week on beach mission. You've had a great summer. You've had a... And then you get home. Or... And all of a sudden you're hit by something. You didn't see it coming. And it came out of the blue. And you're hit by a storm. And then when they're in the storm, Jesus seems so far away. Look at verse 23. It says that he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was alone. But the boat was in the middle of the sea, being tossed about. Jesus, he's up on a mountain, all by himself, alone. And there are the disciples and Peter, in the middle of the sea, in a little boat, in a storm. Jesus isn't with them. They'd been in a storm before and Jesus had been with them. Okay, he'd been asleep, but when he woke up, he just said, shh. And it all went flat. But now Jesus isn't here. And what's more, you can read in John that there weren't any other boats for Jesus to come in. He's not coming. They're by themselves. They're on their own. And if you see, they're in the middle of the sea. They're at the farthest point from land. They can't send up a flare 
They can't get their mobile phone out and phone someone for help. They are all alone. There is no human resources that they can call upon to come and save them. And there, here they are in this storm. They've been run right to their extremities. And yet in all of that, Jesus knows, Jesus cares, Jesus saw, and Jesus could help. While they're in the storm, what is Jesus doing? He's praying. Now we don't know what he was praying about, but he may well have been praying for these disciples. It wouldn't surprise me at all. If while they're in the storm, Jesus is praying, and he's praying for them. Interesting how sometimes God allows us to get to a place in a storm where we just feel there is nothing else that we can do. I'm right at my wit's end. I'm hopeless. I cannot do a thing, just as these disciples were. Do you remember Mary and Martha? When Lazarus fell ill, they, they sent a message to Jesus saying, come and heal Lazarus, he's sick. Jesus delays. And Lazarus dies. And he delays even more. And by the time he gets there, Lazarus stinks. Now Mary and Martha, they were thinking, well, if he was here when Lazarus was alive, there's some chance he could have been saved. I don't know, maybe they thought, if he was here the moment he died, maybe he could have brought him back to life. But now, boy, he stinks. There's no chance. And yet, even in that situation, God works. Sometimes he takes us right out to our extremes or extremities so that we realize there is nothing else I can hold on to except when the Lord Jesus helps. When you're in a storm, remember, he brought me here. Just before we go on to the next one, the disciples, they if you notice what they were doing, they were in the middle of this storm and they were there in obedience. It says in verse 24, they were tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary. Jesus had commanded them to go over to Capernaum and Bethsaida, that area. And they go into the boat and they start, but the wind's against them. And they're having to row harder, harder, harder for one hour, for two hours, for three hours, for hour after hour. You know what would have been easier? For them just to turn around and to go back with the wind and go back to shore. Say, we'll do it later. We'll go another time. It's just a bit too difficult. And yet they kept their bow, their boat, facing towards Capernaum. They're in the middle of a storm, but they're obeying. And that's the important thing. Even though it's difficult, even though they're in a storm, they're obeying the command of Jesus. So remember, when you're in a storm, he brought me here. Remember, when you're in a storm, he will come to me here. Look at verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. It's the fourth watch of the night, which, which is about between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So they've been on this boat for quite a while. Jesus sent them the previous evening, and they're been rowing and battling against this storm. Notice it's Jesus in the middle of this storm that goes to them. Jesus is the one we see in verse 25. He went to them. He sent them into the storm and now 
he goes to them there in this storm. You see, all along he saw, he knew their trouble. Although he was on land, he wasn't detached from it. He wasn't oblivious of what's going on. And so he goes to them right when they're there in the middle of the sea, when they're at their extremity, when they can't do anything else. He meets them in their time of need. He is the one that instigates it. He is the one that goes to them. And he went to them and he went straight to them. It could well have been dark. They're three to four miles out into the sea, into the lake. He didn't walk around. Where are you? He went straight there. He knew exactly where they were. There's a lovely psalm, Psalm 139. If if you're not familiar with it, do take the time to read it later. Verse 7 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? A bit later on, it says, If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. When you're in a storm and it seems so dark and you can't see, God still sees. He knows exactly where you are. And when you're in a storm, remember, he will come to me. Verse 26, we see something interesting. It says the disciples, when they saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out for fear. Why did they not recognize Jesus? They'd spent almost two years with him now. Why did they not recognize him? Maybe it's because they weren't looking for him. They weren't expecting him. And so instead of seeing with the eyes of faith, they have fear. And fear blinded their eyes. And here comes the Lord Jesus Christ and they don't recognize him. They're afraid and they're terrified. Fear and faith kind of go hand in hand, can they? When we're walking in faith, we shouldn't be walking then in fear. These disciples had fear, but we'd see, no, they should have trust. Here's the Lord Jesus Christ coming to them. I wonder why it was Jesus came walking on the water. Have you ever thought about that? Was it just to show that he's God and he can walk on the water? Well, maybe. But one of the reasons he came walking in the water could well have been that it was to show the disciples that the very thing they feared, the storm, the sea, was only a staircase to bring the Lord Jesus Christ to them. You may find that there are certain experiences that you dread. There are certain experiences that you find so difficult and yet it's those very experiences that brings the Lord Jesus Christ closer to you. And what's he saying when he comes? Verse 27. And immediately when Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer, is I. Do not be afraid. Can you imagine? They're in this storm. The boat's rocking around all over the place. They're rowing hard at the oars. They see this figure walking across the water. They're afraid. And then they hear this voice. How do you think Jesus spoke? Don't be afraid. Cheer up, it's me. I can't imagine it was like that. You can imagine. Cheer up! It's me! Don't be afraid! Isn't that a lovely thought? That even though you can be in the middle of a storm, when Jesus is with you, when Christ is with you, there is no need to fear. 
At this stage, when Jesus says to them, don't fear, I'm with you, had the storm stopped? No. Was the wind still blowing? Yeah. Were the waves still battering their little boat? Yes. What made all the difference? Christ was with them. Isn't that a wonderful thing? He will come to me here in the middle of a storm. And then thirdly, when you're in a storm, remember he brought me here. He will come to me here. And thirdly, he can amaze me here in the middle of this storm. In all my grief, in all my turmoil, in all my confusion, Christ can amaze me here. Look at verse 28. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. I wonder why Peter wanted to walk on the water to Jesus. We often think of Peter as the impetuous one. The one who puts his foot in it. Well, in this case, puts his foot on it. And if you think, oh, well, that's just Peter. Maybe he's being presumptuous. Maybe there's pride in there and he wants to show to the rest of the disciples, look at me, I'm going to dare to do this. But actually, when you read this, I don't really think that's what's going on here. Because when when he spoke to Jesus and said, look, if it's really you, tell me to come. Jesus says, come. Jesus wouldn't invite him to do something sinful or something involved pride or presumption. I wonder why it was that Peter wanted to go to the Lord Jesus. Well, I think you can see from the life of Peter that as you look through, Peter was somebody that loved Christ. And you can see it time and time again. He was somebody that loved Christ. You know, before Christ uh, went back to heaven, after he'd risen from the dead, what was the question that you kept asking Peter several times? Peter, do you love me? Peter is someone who, who does love Christ. And, and there he is, he's in the boat, and in all the confusion, in all the storm, where does he want to be? He wants to be with Christ. You know, out of all those disciples in the boat, he was the only one that got outside. He was the only one that experienced walking on the water. His faith was exercised in a new way. Never before had his faith been exercised but like this. In the middle of a storm, in the middle of the ocean, he is walking on the water. Something he could maybe never have dreamed of. But if it wasn't for that storm he would never have had his faith exercised in that way. And you know what we've just read? He, he gets out and he starts walking over to Jesus and then he starts to look around. Now, before you condemn Peter, wouldn't you do the same thing? <laughs> You're walking on water. Now, that must have been a strange experience anyway. And as you get closer to Christ, you then take, take your eyes off Christ and you start to look at the wind and the waves and you see them big and, and you start to fear. And then you start to think, no, 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 no but what am I doing? This doesn't really make sense. I'm, I'm walking on the water. And then he's starting to sink. He's taking his eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he did have some faith to get out of that boat, didn't he? And yet now his faith is being stretched like an elastic band. How far will it go? How thin will it go till it, till it pings? 
And then you get to the point where he starts to sink. And he cries out, Lord, save me. And Christ saves him. Sometimes God allows us to get to the point where we are at breaking point. And we feel like this is it. I'm sinking. I'm going down. And it's at that point that Christ can then save us. And then we can see in a whole new way something new about the Lord Jesus Christ. See how Christ answered immediately. Peter calls out and in verse 23 it says, And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. Do you notice it says that word immediately? Second time in that passage. Do you remember when they saw Jesus walking towards them? And they cried out. And what did Jesus do? And immediately he answered. We can see each time they cried out in this passage, in this account, Jesus answers them straight away. He's there to save them straight away. He's there to comfort them and to help them. And he is the one that has got the power to save Peter. He said to Peter, look, come. And he is the author and finisher of our faith. And he saves Peter. He doesn't let him sink. And he brings him back into the boat. Peter, we think of him as someone of little faith. And Jesus says here, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Just imagine what his experience could have been if his faith was greater. And he'd walked on that sea. Just imagine the joy he would have had and yet he was struggling with his faith. And sometimes we can be like that. We can get up one morning and we feel strong and yet it's not long before our faith evaporates out. And we're not living by faith. What happens when they come back to the boat? Verse 33, then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. In this passage, what is the purpose of this storm? Why has God allowed them to go into the middle of this storm? Why has God allowed Peter to get out of the boat, to walk a bit, and then start to sink? They come to appreciate and realize something. It cements something in their minds. That the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they worship him. So what's the result of this storm? The result of this storm is that they end up worshiping God. What's the result of Peter's experience? As he gets out and as he walks in this boat, on this water. Everyone else was inside the boat. Watching on. Everyone else is watching Peter struggling. They're seeing his little faith. They're seeing him cry out. But we read in verse 33, those who were in the boat, it wasn't just Peter worshipping, others inside that boat looking on at Peter walking in this storm. They too worship. Maybe as you go through a storm and as you're in the middle of it, And as you feel you're struggling so much, and maybe having experiences that you would never ever wish to have gone through, be encouraged that others may be looking at the way you behave, looking at how God is dealing with you. And that may well be an encouragement to them and a help to them. So as we finish, what should you be taking home from this? Well, several things, but one of the things is when you're in a storm, do not fear the storm. 
look for God in the storm. It seems so, seems so crazy, doesn't it, to say don't fear the storm. Because that's our natural reaction. But Peter learned that lesson. And actually, if you were to turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1, it will come up on the screen here. Peter is talking and he's looking back. This is years later now and he's penning this epistle. He's writing to them about when they go through storms. And Peter had learned a valuable lesson about storms. And so we read in 1 Peter 1 verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. This is talking about their salvation and looking forward to heaven. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. One of the things Peter had learned through this experience and through other experiences was that you can value a storm because a storm strengthens your faith. God can use a storm to cause you to grow. And your faith is far more valuable than gold. Your faith is far more valuable than any material thing. And the greater your faith, the greater the capacity you have to glorify God. Maybe, you know, one of the reasons we fear storms so much is that we don't see and value and realize how important our faith is. Maybe our eyes are on the material things. They're on the gold, the stuff that we have, the stuff that we try and hold on to, the stuff that we feel in a storm, it might threaten those things. And yet Peter's saying, no, no, it's not like that. Your faith, even though it might be tested by fire and you have to go through this storm, your faith is being built up and that is so much more important than anything you can own or possess or have. Those things are going to go. And when your faith is built up more, it brings more glory and honour and praise to God. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Do not fear the storm. Because in that storm, God can use it to build you up. But my time's gone and I have to finish. But we can't finish without saying, look, there's a storm that you need never go through. And that is the storm of the judgment of God's wrath on your sin. That is a storm that Jesus went through for you. If you go through that storm, if you say all your life, no, it's okay. I'm going to close you out. I'm not going to turn from my sin. I'm not going to repent. Then that is a storm that Jesus will not come to you in. That is a storm that you will have to take by yourselves. But as we see here, what do we need to do? Just like Peter, cry out, Lord, save me. And what do you promise to do? Immediately, he'll save you. I hope those things have been encouraging to you. That remember, when you're in a storm, he brought me here. He will come to me here. And he can amaze me here. Let's pray and then we'll sing again.
Our Father, we feel so like Peter so often. Sometimes we may feel strong and then realize that we are so weak and our faith is so small. But Lord God, help us to be like Peter and realize that the storms that we go through, they're valuable. The storms that we go through are not because you're being cruel. The storms that we go through are to build up our faith, are to bring more glory to you, are to help us appreciate more about you so we can worship you more fully and more deeply. Lord God, we pray when we face storms, if we're facing a storm now, if we face a storm this coming week, help us to trust and help us to look for you, we pray. For when you are with us, we are safe. We thank you for this lesson from the life of Peter and we pray that you might please continue to bless us throughout this weekend. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.